is right. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Man, uh, I didn't know Jim announced last week to bring a friend to church. <laughs> Everybody showed up, so uh, I'm glad. Uh, we're a little bit, I want to be mindful of time today because we do have kids stuff and I believe that's important and I want everybody to be able to go to that. Um, but in the same sense, I don't want to rush through uh, what God has given me. So, as you can see, I've got some, some props up here. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to go ahead and get started. And I want to do that by opening with prayer. So, if you would, just uh, join me in prayer. Oh, God, I just thank you for, for today and for being able to be here, God, in your house and to be able to worship you and to hear from you, God. I, I just pray that that you would just pour me out and just fill me up with you, God, and just let your spirit just overflow. God, I pray for every person in this room that that they would just uh, hear what you would have to say to their hearts. And Lord, I just thank you for them being here and setting time aside to just participate in a relationship with you, God. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, you've probably seen this sitting here, and uh, it's kind of what I'm going to work my, my, I guess my testimony. I don't want to say sermon because I'm not a pastor or a preacher or anything else, but uh, this is a representation. I mean, you know, they talk about vessels and uh stuff like that in the Bible a lot, but this is representation of me right here. Um, it's not real pretty. <laughs> it's not real, it's nothing sexy, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of rough. It's, you know, nothing, no big colors or anything. We're kind of shaped the same, uh, <laughs> but, but it's me and, you know, I like it and it works. I mean, it'll probably hold a little water and I don't know. I mean, you could do stuff with it. But if I'm completely honest, you know, it is me, but there's something that's not quite right with it. And if, if I'm, you know, if it's going to be like me, it's got to be broken. So that, that is more of a uh, representation of, of who I am. And so what I want to show you, though, I pick these pieces up and hopefully don't get short of breath like my wife said I might. <laughs> I want to I want to illustrate something with this that how God works through us and how God works through our brokenness. And what we tend to do because we are part of the fallen world is we take this brokenness and we put it in a box. Because we don't want people to know that we're broken. And so we put it in this nice, pretty box. I, I think y'all can see that from over there, I hope. And we put on a, uh, essentially what you would call a mask. And we want people to see this nice, shiny exterior. We want them to see that, oh, we've got it together. We look good. You know, I'm going to have to get a broom. <laughs> uh, but anyway... So that's what we do. You know, we put this, this facade on that, you know, we've got it all together. I'm guilty of it. We're all probably guilty of it to one degree or another. 
if you don't think you are, you might need to maybe check yourself. Um, I've stood up here on this stage for eight years and played right in this area. And a lot of those times, I was this box. But today, I want to show you what's inside. And I want to, I want to be honest with you. I want to um, just open up and tell you about some of my struggles and tell you how God's brought me through them. And maybe it will help you. Maybe God will speak into your heart. And maybe you'll begin to get some healing from this as well like I have. So to start off, um, the first thing I've got, let's see, there's a piece. The first part is in your outline. I did outline. I'm not a blank filler in her, but I know a lot of you are, so I did it for y'all. Uh, <laughs> so number one in your outline is unworthy. And I've felt unworthy a lot. Uh, I felt really unworthy when Jim asked me to do this because I immediately started comparing myself. I said, you know, man, I'm not, I'm not Jeff Beard and I'm not this bulldog that gets up here and just has this charisma. You know, I'm not Nick. I don't have this cadence and this flow when I talk. I'm not, I'm not Andrew. I'm not this great speaker. I'm not Jim. I'm not a teacher. But God said, but you are creative. You are smart. And I've given you those gifts to glorify me. And so I'm like, okay. So what I want to do is I want to give you an emotion like unworthy. And I want to give you a name of God that you can call on, like Jim spoke on two weeks ago, the name of Jesus. So, you know, the name of Jesus is powerful. But God has many names, and I want to explore some of those with you today and talk about how you can use those to counteract these emotions that you go through. So with unworthy, the name of God for that, and it's in your outline, and it is missing a D. It is spelled wrong. Tate didn't catch it when I sent it to him. We'll blame it on him. Uh, is Yahweh M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies or makes holy. So we're all worthy because of grace and because if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we are made worthy and these accusations from the enemy aren't true. Amen. And in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave, gave, a, gave, a, gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So the power in that is that even though we personally and collectively sent Jesus to the cross, God loves us so much that he has lifted us up when we accept Jesus as our Savior. He lifts us up and puts us at the table, not at the kids' table, not in the corner. He puts us at the table with Jesus Christ, and we share in that same glory, in that same power that he does. And so when you, when you take this into account, this unworthy is a lie. It's, it's from the devil. It's something that, that if you've got Jesus in your heart and you've got the Holy Spirit, you're worthy. No matter what you do, nothing can separate you from that. So we're going to put that right there. So the next thing, uh, 
<laughs> this one's going to take a second. Um, your next blank is unheard and unseen. Um, the name of God for that one is El Roy. That's not Roy Adams. That's, that's El Roy, okay? And it's the God who sees me. And so for me, I've got a little story I want to share with you of uh, just a little testimony that's kind of happened in my life. And when I was a little kid, uh, we, didn't, we didn't go to church. I don't know that I ever saw my father darken the doors of a church. But my mother tried to, you know, to get me to a church uh, as much as she could. And they would drop me off at the Methodist church in town where I grew up. Uh, they had spaghetti dinner. And, I mean, I like spaghetti. So uh, we would go there. And I can remember, I was, I was little, uh, probably about my son's age, between the ages of five and seven, I guess, maybe a little, just around that general age. And I remember the, the, the people who would teach there, they would say, you know, if you just, if you believe in God and you ask him into your heart, he'll come in and wash it white as snow. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And then they would say, if you believe in God, all you have to do is say, God, show yourself to me and he'll, he'll show up, you know, show up and he'll show up. And so as a young mind who is not in church and is very literal, I'm thinking, oh, well, I can go home and pray to see God and he'll just poof like a genie in my room and appear. <laughs> And I can honestly remember laying in bed night after night after night just praying, God, please, please show yourself to me. And I'd close my eyes so tight, I'd open them up and nothing. And that caused, at a very young age, a division between me and God because I thought, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not, he doesn't see me, he doesn't hear me. Uh, and as I got older, I kind of, you know, I learned different things, but that still stuck deep. And it was something that I didn't realize until just probably, well, kind of last Sunday. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through that. Uh, God, God, God removed that unbelief from my heart on Sunday. And uh, Sunday night, I was at home, and I was not feeling great. We just got back from small group. The boys are in bed. Jenna's, I think she's working on something on the computer for Glow or whatever, or school or something we've got going on. And I'm just sitting there. And earlier in the week, uh, a message was sent out to our small group. And it was just, uh, somebody was doing a study and they send out this, uh, this scripture. And it's talking about how the person who's doing the devotional, that wrote the devotional, had such a, a breakthrough with the scripture and it's not in your outline but I want to read it to you and it's Psalm 139 23 through 24 um, it's in the same as the other one that I'm going to talk about and it says search me O God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life so I prayed that and I prayed also that or kind of point out anything that's between us anything that's separating me from your will and your covering, Lord, please point that out. And you better be ready if you pray this earnestly because he will, he will do that. And I want to walk you through how he revealed this to me and why I think he revealed it in this order. So going back to the spaghetti dinner and praying that God would show up and show himself to me, the first thing, the first thing that, and this isn't like a voice, this isn't, 
this isn't like some big booming God voice. I, I want you to think that. I want you to know that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to my mind and giving me thoughts that aren't, aren't mine. But he said, you will open your eyes one day and you will see me. And, you know, that, that sounds simple because, you know, but when he said that, it's like, you know what, maybe I won't see him like tonight when I open my eyes in my sleep, but when I die, I'm guaranteed that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to see him one day. And I'm thankful for that. And so he gave me that piece first. And this next one, he, uh, he said, you are a good boy and I'm proud of you. And he said boy because I believe he was speaking to that little boy that felt this way when I was, when I was young because he needed to hear that. It's not something that I heard from my father. My father loved me deeply and he wanted the best for me, but he wasn't the best with words. My mother tells me all the time that she's proud of me, but it's something that you have to hear from a father as a man. And I heard it from Allah. I heard it from my ultimate father. And that, that crushed me, <laughs> literally. I am sobbing like a baby at this point, can't breathe. And then the third thing he revealed to me was your unbelief. So it's kind of like he, he didn't say, well, you don't believe me, but I love you. And one day you'll open your eyes. I think he gave it to me in a certain order because if he had said, well, you don't believe in me, I probably would have automatically said, well, yes, I do. You know, I would have rebutted that and then I wouldn't have been able to receive because I probably would have been offended. And what's, what's offense? You know, it's the bait of Satan. So you've got the word of God or the name of God, El Roy. The word of God I want to share with you is Psalm 139, 13 through 16. And it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So if you don't feel like God sees you or God hears you, God saw you and heard you before you were ever made, before you were ever put together. He knew it's written down, it's recorded. So anytime you've, you feel that way, just know that God is there. He was there in your darkest moment when you felt like you were alone. And, I mean, God is, oh man, he is just amazing. So, let's see. I'm going to need this for a while. We're going to take that. Now this, this is the ricketiest podium <laughs> in the world. It's, I mean, I know it's, it's had a lot of miles put on it, but let's see. Uh, let's see, Joe. Let's see. This went together better at home <laughs> when all y'all weren't watching. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to touch this thing anymore. So, uh, the next one, nope, this one. Your next line, number three, right? Hey, we're doing, doing pretty good. Um, your next line is accused or bullied. 
when we talk about being accused, in Revelation, they call Satan the accuser of the brethren. And uh, we talk about being bullied. You know, children get bullied. Uh, I was really, really bullied uh, in school. Let's take a break. Um, I went to a small private school where there was just a few people there. Uh, maybe like 400 in the whole entire school from K-4 to 12th grade. And I was the big kid and the only big kid out of all those. And so I can remember upperclassmen, you know, pushing me down, calling me fatty, a lot of things like that. So much that I was so anxious about going to school that my nerves would get so bad I would throw up every morning before school. But uh, what I really want to talk to you about is the accuser and being accused by, by the devil because, because I didn't have a foundation at all in Jesus, I didn't understand that who I was and what God thought of me. I knew what everybody else thought of me because they were more than vocal and willing to tell me about it. But I didn't know what, uh, what God thought about me and what the truth was about myself. And so uh, the name of God on this one, and this is one I heard this a long time ago when we were in Mexico with hands and feet, and Tate and I were <laughs> sick as dogs. And uh, Sheila comes in the room, and she starts praying. And if you've never prayed with Sheila, I encourage you uh, to put your boots on when you do because it's going to get, she gets, she doesn't play. Uh, but she, she called this name uh, Yahweh Nisi or Jehovah Nisi. And it means the Lord is my banner. This name proclaims his protection, leadership, and deliverance for his people. Come on. So, yes. Jeff, you know, like back in the day when people went into battle, they had banners, really tall poles with banners on them. So when you're coming, people know who you're fighting for and who's fighting for you. you they, know, they know who you are. And that's what this is. Uh, I didn't have that banner as a child. I didn't know, you know, who was fighting for me or who was protecting me. I thought that I was just kind of left out and alone and by myself. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. And, you know, whenever we're accused by, the, by Satan, whether it's telling us, you know, we're not good enough, we're incompetent, we're not smart, uh, our body is not doesn't look the way we want it to look. Those are all lies from, from the enemy because God has made you as a unique individual. And like when I was comparing myself to Jeff, that comparison, that's, that's a dark hole to fall into. If, you, if we start comparing ourselves to other people, we're going to constantly fall short because God hasn't made us like Jeff. He hasn't made us like Paxton. He's made us like ourselves. And he's giving us unique abilities and unique gifts in order to glorify him in a unique way. And that's, you know, God told me you're creative, so I got creative. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to share one thing with you that I thought was really good, uh, something I kind of wish I'd have known as a child, because there was a lot of anger with the bullying. I, di I didn't know, I was, a, I was really timid. I, didn't, I never wanted to fight anybody. But Romans 12, 19 through 20 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, 
I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think that that's something, you know, that's, I mean, who, who, who doesn't want to put burning coals on their enemies' heads, <laughs> right? So if you, can, if you can kill them with kindness, then why wouldn't you? So this piece has got to go ooh, over here. Uh, uh, well, you know. I want to keep it interesting. I want y'all to be. I want everybody to be nervous about this, like I am. Oh, this is not looking good. Okay, we're not going to touch it. Oh, the next one. The next one. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let's see. This is going to break it. Watch. Oh. Okay, we're not going to touch it again. The next one is shame. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, shame is something that I think everybody deals with because it is, it's so easy to get intertwined in our lives. Uh, I've dealt with shame for probably, four, I don't know, 25 years or so. As a child, and some of you have heard this when I spoke at Forge, um, I don't know four years, three, four years ago. As a child, I was exposed to pornography at a very young age. Such a young age that I don't remember being exposed to it. Um, it was just kind of there. Uh, so with that comes a lot of shame because you don't understand, you know it's not right. But as a man, we're wired visually, so it stirs something inside of us that we don't, at that age, we don't understand, we don't know how to control. And so with that shame... I was always looking for a way, like, how do I stop this? And so in 1 Corinthians 6.18, this is in your outline, but it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Well, that scared me. You know, I'm sinning against my own body, uh, you know, so I've got to flee. I've got to run from this. So I spent a lot of time trying to trying to address the action, trying to fix, you know, what I was doing, but not understanding that there was something much deeper inside of me from way back in my childhood that I had not addressed, the root of my, of my cause, the cause of what I was doing, the action. So several weeks, well, a month ago now, I went to a men's uh, intensive. And intensive is probably, that's a good word for it, because it was probably the most intense thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, we talked about a lot of things and I've had a handle on pornography for, for several years now, but it's still something that I deal with. It's still, uh, you know, it creeps into my life because we're such a socially driven, uh, we're on the internet, we're on everything and it just, the enemy puts it in front of you and he's intentional about it. So when we went there, we talked about a lot of things. We brought up a lot of stuff in our past and when I started unpacking what I'm doing right now with you guys, when I started unpacking these things, pieces started coming together. And I started to understand that, okay, I'm broken and there's things going on, but I can be fixed. God can heal me from this stuff. Amen. And 
So I spent a lot of time trying to fix it. Um, but when I started doing this, it started fixing me. It started fixing my heart. It started getting to the root of the issue. And we can do a lot of things. Uh, we can try to run from sin. But when we've stepped all the way over to here and we're just about to sin, it's a hard place to get out of. And so what we've got to do is we've got to meditate on the word every day and we've got to store it in our heart. And that is our way out. It says in the Bible that God will not tempt you more than you can bear. He will always give you a way out. I believe that, and I believe that way out starts with storing the word of God in our heart and meditating on every day. So that way we don't get to this point. We can get it way back here because we're still going to be tempted every single day of our lives. But we can get the sin before it gets us all the way up to the threshold of stepping into that sin. And we can identify what the root is and we can get to that and pull that out and have a better understanding of ourselves and who we are and who we are in Jesus Christ. So the name for this is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Because I believe that you can be healed from this. I believe that God can heal your heart. And I'm not saying that he will take it away from you because nothing has pissed me off more in my life than when I've been in church and people have said, oh, I just prayed to God and he took it away from me. And I don't, I don't doubt one bit that God can do that. But for somebody like me who has prayed that and prayed that and prayed that and prayed that and it hasn't been taken away, it further enforces that unbelief that I had that I wasn't seen and I wasn't heard. So I believe we have to be, kind of be careful of how we say things. And I want to say that God can do that, but I want to say more than likely, you're going to be alive. You're going to be a man or a woman. You're going to have eyes and you're going to be tempted because we live in a fallen world. So if you guard your heart and you set guidelines and guardrails in your life and your marriage and you put people around you like Paxton or uh, Sam or Tate or these people that have surrounded me in these I don't know, 10 years, like with Derek, and that have lifted me up and held me up, then I believe that you can fight this. And I believe that you will have the tools available to combat this shame and understand that it's a lie from the devil and that, that Jesus wants so much more for you. He wants this, this shame that's intertwined through all of your life and all these aspects to be removed so that way you can be free in him and understand who he is and who you are through him. Um... We're doing pretty good. Okay. I'm hoping this kind of helps hold it together. Oh, yeah. It's working. All right. So we're getting there. See what we got? I don't know. A box full of pieces left to go. Your last line, right? We're on number five, correct? I haven't missed anything. Uh, is lost. And... So, I think I need this piece. It says lost on it. So, for lost, uh, between the ages of 9 and 12, I had a lot of stuff going on in my life. Uh, starting at age 9, uh, I was sexually abused by an older um, relative. And that continued until about 12 years old over several uh, instances. 
Uh, parents got divorced at 11 years old. And a lot of this stuff I didn't really put together till this week. So that was kind of like I thought, oh, well, you know, I know this happened between 9 and 12. But then I realized, you know, what else was going on between that age? And I kind of felt worse about it for a minute. But then I realized that, you know, God was there. But parents got divorced at 11. So when we, they got divorced uh, shortly, about my, around 12 years old, we moved from middle Georgia to Adairsville. Mom got remarried, uh, so I, I went from being pretty much an only child to having two uh, stepbrothers and having a new father in the house, which was a totally stark contrast to the one I'd had. And he was also moving in with my mom, who was my mom, right? That's the way we feel about that. And I started a new school. Now, the school that I started at was at Ayersville, and it was much better than where I was, but it was still terrifying because I didn't know that at the time. So during that age, between the sexual abuse, the divorce, moving, uh, you know, the new family and starting at a new school, man, I was lost. I didn't know, I didn't know who I was in a sexual sense. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know who I was going to be at this new school. It was an opportunity for me maybe to make new friends or maybe even make a new me to, to change the box I was in because that was, I could, maybe I could repackage my brokenness somehow. Um, and I just felt really lost. And I think that a lot of times in life, we're, we're all walking in and out of that at certain times. And the name of God that I want to give you for this is Emmanuel, God with us. And it's like the song that we sing, um, Reckless Love. I remembered it. <laughs> I have a hard time with song names, I'll tell you that. Um, where they say, he leaves the 99 to find the one. Uh, like in Matthew 18, 12, he talks about leaving the sheep. And I don't care how far this fallen world pulls you into darkness. Jesus is always beating down the bushes to get to you. And there is nothing that he won't do to, to get to you and to bring your heart back to him. And so... When I'm, read, when I'm reading this, and, I, and you know, I'm, I'm really praying that you guys get something from this. But if you don't, that's okay, because I got a lot from it when I went through it and did it. So when I'm doing this, God's speaking to me, and he's saying, those times when you were sitting there alone, scared, and you didn't know what was going on, I was right there. I was right there with you. Just like when it says God, he knit us in the womb, and he was there on the first day before we were born. He's been with me the whole entire time protecting me and keeping me from even worse than what I may have already gone through. So the comfort that I get from that, even though I went through things that weren't positive and, you know, they have given me the ability to stand up here in front of you and be open and honest and share with you. And God is, every time that I, I, I study more about this and I think more about what I've gone through and what God is working on in me, I receive a little bit of healing and pieces are put back together and pieces are reattached and I start becoming whole again. And please stay whole. <laughs> so, God, I've done great on time. Isn't God good? Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, did I go over Isaiah 41.10? I don't think I did, did I? 
No? Okay, so Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And, you know, we sing a song that has pretty much this same line in it. Did we sing it today, Tate? I don't know. Anyway, we sing, we sing a song like this. And, you know, fear, we do sing a song called Fear is a Liar. I know that. And it is. And that is a, it's just like shame. Shame and fear walk hand in hand together. And fear wants us to think that, you know, I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah, he can do a lot. But man, me, the things I've done, he can't, he can't fix that. Uh, you know, he can do it for Paxton. He can do it for, for David. But man, when it comes to me, I'm just too broken. I can't be put back together again. But that's a lie. And he is our God. And the part where it says he will uphold you with my righteous hand, I believe that that is true. And I believe I want to go back to, like I talked about Paxton and these people that have been in my life that have held me up. God will use people in your life if you will get into a community. God will use people to hold you up during these times and to help put you back together and to share and walk with you. And nothing is better and more freeing than walking through your pain with someone else, someone who is a follower, someone who is a brother or sister, and that, that, can, that can't, they can't fix you. Nobody in this earth, on this earth can fix you. Only God can completely heal you from what this fallen world has done to you, whether as a child, as an adult, whatever it is. I don't care if you had the best childhood in the world. You're still broken. There's something in this world that is broken. You may not be broken to the degrees of some other people, but you still have brokenness in your life. And so, let's see. Is this cheese? As I'm finishing up, I want to talk about 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. This isn't your outline. The outline's done. Uh, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And so I want to, this is our jar of clay. And I want you to know that none of what I've done today has been about me. The story is mine but the story is God's as well because he's been there the entire time. So I want to, I got this, I got this study Bible companion thing that I really like because it kind of, I'm not the smartest person in the world all the time and I don't understand what the Bible's saying a lot. So I want to, I got this thing that kind of reiterates it and tells me. And in here it says, Paul describes the wonder of the gospel that human believers carry the glory of God within them as having treasure in earthen vessels. Clay jars are weak, fragile, and subject to be broken. But like the pitchers used by Gideon's army, they may be broken for a purpose. When the jar is broken, the light within shines brightly and does not go unnoticed. Indeed, it may have a powerful effect. Numerous people throughout Christian history have been broken only to reveal the great power of the Spirit of God. So what I've done today, and what I've hoped to have done, is shown you the spirit of God through my brokenness. Um, we have, the Bible says that when we, we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and that Jesus is the living water. 
well, what happens if I pour water into this? It's going to leak out. It's going to come out this hole, that hole, all these cracks are on the bottom. But in my heart, I believe that's what we're supposed to do. I believe that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He is supposed to come out through our brokenness. And we're supposed to use our brokenness to glorify Him. And that is what I've tried to do today for you. I hope I've succeeded. And I want to read one more thing uh, that's kind of been my... I'm going to knock this thing over. I've got to stop touching that. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. This has kind of been my, the verses I've held on to this week. And it's Paul. Paul is my man. He is chief of sinners. And I feel like I can relate to that. Um, but it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for the sake, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So when we are weak, when we are broken down, and when we begin to build back, when God begins to build back uh, the brokenness in our lives, that is where your strength comes from from being broken, from being weak, from being vulnerable, from being open to 200-something people you don't even, or how are people in here? I don't know, but there's a lot of you. I don't know 98% of you, but I want to be used. I want God to, well, I don't want to be used. I want to join into a relationship of participation with Jesus Christ. I want to participate in the story that he has written for my life, and by doing that, I want to share with you what he's done through me in hopes that he will speak to you and give you a glimpse into your own heart. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, they're going to come up. And uh, I want to invite you that, I'm not going to say if you've got brokenness. You've got brokenness. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll get a broom. I'll get, uh, so... The brokenness in our lives, well, there's a piece up there too. Uh, it can be laid down right up here. And you can give it to God so that way he can start taking those pieces and putting them back together in your life. So if you've got brokenness, I invite you up here to, to, to lay that down and give it to God and ask him to come into your, to, well, ask that you can enter into the story that he has prepared for you. That way the two of you can begin to rebuild this. Now, you can't begin this journey if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life. And if you want to embark on this and start this process, that's your starting point. Jesus Christ, having him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you don't have that, man, there's nothing better than that in the world. And if you've, maybe you've gotten a long way away from, away from him, you have it. He's right there. He's right behind you. All you got to do is turn around and look. And he, will, he is there with open arms, with a smiling face. There's nothing that can separate you from the will of God and from his love. I don't care what you've done. It says not even death can separate you from the love of God. So if you want that, this is open. I don't know if I've got to start this next song or not. Uh, so 
as they start, I just want to pray real quick. God, I just thank you for, for who you are and for who I am in you and who we are in you, God. We are a, a body of believers. And God, your power is just incomprehensible. And Lord, your mercy and your grace covers all. I just thank you so much, Lord. I, I thank you for the word that you've given me. I thank you that you've given me courage to get up and do it, Lord. And I thank you for the people that are here to hear it. And I pray that, uh, that someone has received a word from you today, God. Lord, we, we praise you and we glorify your name, God. It's in the holy name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.